It is really good to see you all. (laughs) And let me say again how much I appreciate your trust and your patience during my two months of renewal leave. Um, It was truly a blessing to lay aside the stress of ministry and simply to be. I'm grateful to the preachers, including our own Glaffy Carr and Eric Icke, who shared their thoughts and hearts with you. And I'm grateful for the liturgists, like Brenda, who kept things moving, and to Patty and Kenner, to our administrative assistant, uh, Elizabeth Port, and to all of you. Thank you during this precious time of rest and renewal. And now I will invite Brenda to do the scripture reading. The gospel reading today is from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. If you'd care to follow along, it's in the New Testament of your pew Bible on page 35. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, I did forget that. to get used to this again. One of my goals during my leave was to go through the material that the Readiness 360 plus team has been studying over the last few months. I have to confess I didn't get very far with that. But I did take a closer look at the first book that we read, a book called Discipleship. I should say this is not a book that our team liked. It is too evangelical, too mega-church-oriented, too male-centric. However, the basic premise of this book is really important. That the primary work of the church is not to grow in numbers or members. The primary work of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, uh, the passage we call the Great Commission, The resurrected Christ tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Jesus does not say, go therefore and take in new church members. He does not say, go therefore and add to your numbers. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. The United Methodist Church has adopted that as our mission. And they say the mission of the church is to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Now, as I looked through some of that book and uh, wrote about it in my journal, um, I had lots of food for thought. And um, the idea of the sermon series that you're uh, in the getting the next four, this week and the next three weeks uh, led me to review notes that I had taken way back in January during a presentation um, 
given by Reverend Nicole Riley at our second Readiness 360 Plus cohort meeting. And during that presentation, she posed several questions about disciples. She said, what does a disciple believe? How does a disciple live? What is the priority of a disciple? How does a disciple vote or spend money? And she suggested that we would not all agree on the answers to those questions. And that's kind of a problem because if we're going to make disciples, we have to know what a disciple looks like. In fact, we have to be disciples. As Nicole said, you can't give away what you don't have. During her talk, she suggested a definition for discipleship that I find compelling, and it is this. In response to God's loving invitation, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ who is committing to becoming more like Jesus to being part of the body of Christ, and to joining Jesus in ministry. I'm going to say that one more time. In response to God's loving invitation, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, who is committed to becoming more like Jesus, to being part of the body of Christ, and to joining Jesus in ministry. In other words, a disciple is one whose relationship with Jesus is lived out in his or her daily life, who doesn't, doesn't just talk the talk, but who walks the walk with Jesus. Hence the overall theme for this sermon series, Walking the Walk with Jesus. So I want to look at those different components of Nicole's definition of discipleship, and I want to start today with the words, in response to God's loving invitation, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. The first part of that sentence is important because it reminds us that being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus, is a choice. As much as some have tried over the centuries, you can't truly coerce anyone into being a follower of Jesus. It's a personal decision. And here's the thing, that choice begins with God's choice. It begins with God's grace-filled, loving invitation to us to be in relationship with God, an offer that was embodied in Jesus. To follow Jesus is to decide to accept that invitation, response made tangible by our baptism. So we respond to that, we decide we want to follow Jesus. What does that mean? What does following Jesus look like? Well, when I hear the word follow, the first thing that comes to my mind is a familiar situation in which most of us have found ourselves at one time or another. The situation we, where we need to drive somewhere unfamiliar, or at least the directions are unfamiliar, and another person offers to, offers to lead us there in his car. You've all done that before. I don't know how to get there. Well, hey, just follow me and I'll take you there. Now, there are circumstances where we might accept such an offer from a kind stranger. If we're stranded and we need to get somewhere, yeah, we might do that. But most of the time, the person who's leading us is someone whom we know, someone with whom we have a relationship, a friend or a relative. Likewise, a follower of Jesus knows and has a relationship with him. The scripture passage that Brenda 
just read is an iconic story of the calling of the first disciples. Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee when he sees Simon and Andrew fishing. He calls them and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Likewise, he calls James and John and all of them immediately drop what they are doing and leaving their boats and nets and in one case, their father behind. They follow Jesus. When we read that in Mark's gospel, it sounds like this is the very first time the disciples have ever seen Jesus and that somehow his call is so compelling that they drop everything and they cannot help but follow him. John's gospel, however, offers a different picture. Here, Andrew is presented as a disciple of John the Baptist. And after John declares that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the Lamb of God, as he puts it, Andrew and another unnamed disciple follow Jesus. And when Jesus notices that the two are trailing after him, he turns around and asks them what they're looking for. And of course, they're all kind of embarrassed that he's noticed that they were following him and they say, um, where are you staying? And he answers, come and see. And they end up spending the day with him, after which Andrew goes and finds his brother Simon and brings him to Jesus. Now, obviously those two accounts don't mesh, and that's one of the interesting things about the gospel. They tell the story in different ways because it's not history, it's theology. <laughs> but John's account makes me wonder if the, these fishermen that we see in Mark didn't already know Jesus in one way or another before he called them from their boats and nets. Perhaps they'd, perhaps they'd heard him speak Perhaps they'd even spent some time with him. Whatever it was, I believe that they knew Jesus well enough to leave everything behind and accept his invitation to join him on a journey of faith. Which leads me to ask you a question. Who first invited you to come and see? Who started you on your faith journey? Was it your parents, a friend, a spouse, Sunday school teacher, a pastor? I want you to think about that for a moment and then thank God for that person or persons. Just take a moment to think about that. Pretty special, pretty special. Now, you may have need more time to think about that than I'm giving you, sorry. <laughs> now, the disciples um, certainly didn't know everything about Jesus when they responded, not by a long shot, nor do we. Knowing Jesus, truly being in relationship with him, requires that we learn as much as we can about him. And indeed, the word disciple literally means learner. Following Jesus requires more than just showing up on Sunday morning and listening to the sermon. It requires that we make a commitment to learn as much as we can about and from Jesus. 
And that commitment, as the disciples would discover, is a lifelong one. How do we learn? Perhaps the best way is to just immerse ourselves in the scriptures, in the New Testament, to make time to read and study and reflect on them, not just once, but over and over again. I'm not one who always picks up the Bible every day, I confess. <laughs> but during my leave, I decided to read through, once again, the Gospel of John. In two months, I only got to chapter nine. Part of that is because I didn't read it every day. Yeah. But when I did, I took my time. And maybe I'd get through a paragraph, and then I'd find something that I needed to think about and that I needed to write about in the beautiful journal that the Wednesday study group gave me. And as familiar as I am with the Gospels, when I took the time, I found so much to ponder and digest and think about, so much to pray about, so much to learn, so much I had questions about, so much I didn't understand and will need to go back to again. And so if you are interested in being a follower of Jesus, I would invite you to open that book and read slowly, prayerfully, reflectively, to really take it in and sit with it and let it teach you about this man, this person whom we claim to be our Lord and Savior. Following Jesus also means paying attention to what we are learning and putting it to use. When we're following someone in a car, we have to pay attention, right? We have to keep our eyes focused on that car ahead of us and work to keep up with it because if we don't, well, I suspect that most of us have had the unsettling experience of losing that car that's trying to take us places and having to go, oh, I hope they stop and wait for me and let us catch up, yeah. Um, Likewise, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus every day. For discipleship requires more than book learning. In fact, it might be more appropriate to define a disciple not as a learner, but rather as an apprentice who pays attention to what Jesus says and does and then does his or her best to emulate that in their daily life. To be an apprentice, I kind of like that idea. An apprentice is someone who binds themselves to a master craftsman. That's the, the traditional way I think of it. So that they can learn, so that they can take up the craft themselves. We are apprentices if we follow Jesus. And when I'm following someone in my car, there's someone I know, someone to whom I'm giving my attention. There's another thing that's important. I'm doing it because I've decided to trust that person. I've decided to trust that he or she cares about me and has my best interests at heart. I've chosen to trust that they will not lead me astray, but will show me the right way to get to my destination. Likewise, in order to follow Jesus, we must choose to trust him, especially since walking the walk with him is challenging. In his sermon last week, Eric Ike focused on Mark 8, 34, which says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
That's a pretty intimidating statement, isn't it? Which is why it is so easy to fall into what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace, the kind of discipleship in which we follow God only when it's convenient for us or it benefits us. True discipleship, on the other hand, is costly. For when we follow Jesus, there are times when we will find ourselves in difficult situations, having to make hard choices, maybe even experiencing loss. To be Jesus' disciple is to face this cross, so beautiful here, so difficult in real life. Thank God, Jesus has also given us promises. Promises that we can trust. If we choose to follow Jesus, and if in the words of Ephesians 6 that Galafi Carr highlighted in her sermon, we are strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power, these promises are ours. I want you to listen for a moment to some of those promises. Listen and take them into your heart and soul. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. If you abide in me and I in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And among the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And from the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and remember, or in the King James Version, though, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If we choose to stand on those promises, if we trust in the love of God and Christ from which we can nothing, which nothing can separate us, then we can and will be able to follow Jesus, to be disciples who not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. I pray that it may be so for all of us. Now, this is easier said than done, to be sure, which is why we need to ask for God's help. And so, trusting in the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ, I invite you to find your bulletin again and to join me in bringing our need of forgiveness and mercy and guidance to God in what is a very traditional prayer of confession, but which spoke to me for this day. Let us pray to God.